just put this bit at the end of the whole episode where I'm like, I almost told the audience that I love them and I wasn't <laughs> sure if the audience and us were ready for that at this point. Welcome to Egghead Anarchy. I am Alex. And I am Brian. Um, so this episode is about Star Trek. Both the Star Trek Beyond, which just came out. Uh, well, it just came out when we talked about it. But this episode <laughs> is a little bit late. And this introduction was done at the later point, which you can tell because I'm acknowledging <laughs> that that stuff happened. And if I didn't, this would be real weird. It'd be like some sort of time travel or like paradox or something. I don't know. Point is, we talk this about is that so movie. Fucking awesome! <laughs> oh my god, this is the best. And then we talk a little bit about the teaser for Star Trek Discovery and yes. and what might come out of that. And then also because this is just every time we talk about Star Trek, we just talk about Star Trek generally and how these things relate to the general like world of Star Trek because we're yes. huge fucking Star Trek nerds. And I bash on Gene Roddenberry a bit because I really yeah. enjoy doing that. Um. Even though he's kind of cool, but I mean, still, yeah, he no. is. I just he just needs to be knocked down a peg. I think. So but here's a question: Would you identify as a trackie? Me, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel I mean, kind of awkward. I've, I've I've been to conventions and all that stuff. I, I'm a huge Star Trek nerd, and I'll say that easily. But saying like I'm a trekkie, I feel like a little bit weird about that. Really? Why? I don't know. That's just, so funny. Just the 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 like. Maybe I just don't like the way it sounds. Mm, like the phrase that. of the word. Yeah. I mean, so so growing up, Trekkie was the term used for people who really like Star Trek a lot. So yeah. to me, they're synonymous. And I just I grew up hearing it like I grew up in a family of Trekkies. Yeah. And so I heard that term constantly. So maybe yeah. that's part of it. Like, I don't know. Did you hear that constantly growing up or was that something that you heard like later on? I heard it growing up, but not really. I don't think in reference to like people that I knew. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like it might just be, again, I'm kind of younger than you. And that term Mm -hmm. is more like, I don't know. I imagine something like older and not as maybe just the general nerd scene has kind of replaced that more specific term to me. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, I I think you're right. I mean, like Star Trek is even, I mean, it's a a pop culture thing now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like people don't, don't make those terms the way they used to. You're not a Trekkie. Like people... Trekkie, I don't even think it gets said as much as it used to. No. Maybe still occasionally, but people aren't like a hooey or like yeah, a... Yeah, well, but Whovian is a thing. I oh, Whovian is... Shit, you're right. That one's yeah. real old too, though. So yeah, that, that one's as, as old, if not older than Star Trek. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because um, Doctor Who's older than Star Trek. And then, okay, let me pick a newer example. <laughs> you're not a Marvelian because you love Marvel Ooh, movies. Oh, I like that term. <laughs> Marvelian. That sounds vaguely Machiave- like Machiavellian, and I like that a lot. All right. Anyway, we're going to get back to the show now. Uh, talk to you guys in the bit at, and at the end. <laughs> you know how this works. Or yes. you don't because this is new and this segment is just seems real confusing to you. So You'll how find this? out. How about this? Have fun with the next hour of Star Trek discussion. We will talk to you again when we're done. Okay. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome to the Star Trek section. Yay! Um, so we'll be talking about the newest Star Trek, Star Trek Beyond. 
was what, terrible. What, I'm what sorry. was that? Was that <laughs> supposed to be the original series theme? <laughs> yes. That was, I, it, didn't, it sounded a little bit like that, right? Maybe. Now, I might have told you this in person, but I'm going to tell it again on the podcast because oh, everyone no. needs to know. Oh, that, boy. that song for TOS has lyrics. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Because Gene Roddenberry had an option to write lyrics for the theme song. And if he did, that made him a co-writer on the theme song, which meant that he got royalties for it. So he did write lyrics. They're never used ever, but he wrote them just that way he could get royalties on that song. Yep. Well, it's like uh, it's like the Super Mario theme has uh, lyrics, too. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't remember where it was. Maybe like a Kotaku article I saw or something. But yeah, it has uh, 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 words like the Mario song has words to it. Again, they're not used anywhere, but they do exist. That's yeah. You can find some people like singing the Star Trek theme song with lyrics. That's the lyrics hilarious. are are pretty bad. We should we, we should put they're, a link to that in the show notes. They're pretty sixties. They're beyond the rim of the starlight. My love is wandering in starflight. I know he'll find me in star clustered reaches. Love, strange love, a star woman teaches. What I know his journey is, never are ends. The lyrics? Yeah, his Star Trek will go on forever. But tell him while he wanders his starry sea, remember, remember me. Oh, my God, that's painfully bad. <laughs> that's so bad. Yeah. This, oh dude, God. it's super 60s, though. I kind of like it. I mean, Gene Roddenberry's awesome and everything. But at the same time, fuck that guy. Like, yeah. ugh. there are some things that he did and some things about him that were just bullshit. I mean, there were awesome things, too. Like the whole thing with uh, the airplane. Um, did, you, did you hear uh, about that? Yeah, yeah. The Oatmeal did a comic on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was cool. That was cool as fuck. Like, I have a really hard time saying anything bad about him after reading that. But I'm an asshole, so I'll do it. But um, <laughs> I don't know. But, it kind of it's interesting. His personal story is interesting. All the more yeah. so because he was a real ass person and not like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess my biggest problem is uh, just the the amount of credit that he did not allow other people to get for Star Trek. Like yeah. the fact that he took all of it for himself. You know what I mean? Like the Enterprise was not his design. Uh, teleporters were not his idea. There were a lot of things in Star Trek that were just not his idea and that didn't mm -hmm. come from him. And yet his name was plastered everywhere and no one else got any credit. And that, that just really bothers me, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, it's the same way with a real space <laughs> i mean do you remember the the third person on the first moon landing oh yeah that's a good point i, I mean, mean no but that's you, good that's who's, good who's the first person who landed on the moon who's walked on the moon that's a uh, neil armstrong right who's the second person buzz aldrin buzz aldrin good that one some people get, but not everybody. And then who is the guy who didn't land and who just stayed in the capsule? In the command module? I don't know. See, I don't, I, I don't know either. And I've tried really hard to remember that a bunch of times, yeah, but too. I still can't remember. But it's yeah. just... You is know. it Alan Shepard or was that something all different altogether? I'm not sure. Um, I, I, I know that name from like yeah. space exploration, but I don't know if it was from the lunar mission. There's a great interview, and I believe it's with Buzz Aldrin, where he says um, when it comes to popularity, it was like... Neil Armstrong was the only person in the major leagues and we were all playing in the minors. Mm. Yeah. 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 And I guess like, I mean, that happens all over the place. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, like what, what's his name? The God of War guy, Shigeru Miyamoto, like every, everybody. Yeah. I guess I just have a problem with it because it seems like, like from the couple uh documentaries that I've seen about Gene Roddenberry, mm. it seems like he went above and beyond to take credit away from other people. You know what I mean? 
Um, and that, that just bugs me. That just bugs I me. I think he had like several mistresses and stuff like that too. Like, yeah, you know. that, I mean, on one level that bothers me, but on, on another, it doesn't just because like his wife knew everybody knew and, um, and she wasn't necessarily in the marriage. Well, no, I shouldn't even say that. Like, that's not my place to talk about why people are in the marriage, but like, like just seeing kind of seeing a little bit that she'll say about it from her side. It was mm-hmm. like, like, I mean, she, she had a career forever because yeah. of that show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough. Like in general, I'm against cheating period. Right. But, um, she knew again, from what I've heard, she knew when she got married to him, that that's the kind of person that he was like, he didn't hide it. He didn't, you know, it's like, um, he spent a uh, lot of, he spent a lot of time trying to be really, really inclusive to add all sorts of different people to, you know, different races, yes, different genders. And, Mm -hmm. and in the newest one, They've changed the sexuality of one of the characters. Yes. To, to bring it back to Star Trek Beyond. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so Sulu Whoops. Sulu is now gay. Yes. Which actually there's a fair bit of controversy about that. Did you hear about this? George yeah, Takei's response to that? Yeah. Because he was like, no, it's dumb. <laughs> like, yeah. He, he well, was like, no. No, it, it's not, not because it was dumb. He he had a valid point. Like, I, I don't I don't like it necessarily, but he has a valid point. And his point mm. was that. Gene Roddenberry's character or vision for the character was that he was straight. Like that was how Gene Roddenberry wanted it because George Takei actually talked to him about Sulu's sexuality in the original series. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Gene Roddenberry was like, no, like it wasn't a political thing. He wasn't afraid of whatever. He's like, no, I just see this character as being straight. And so because of that, uh, uh, George Takei didn't like the fact that they made Sulu uh, gay and it's not like they made Sulu gay in this movie. Like the way that they present it in the movie, he's always been gay, right? That's just, well, you know, they just kind of reveal it to the audience. In this universe, he's always been gay. Well, true. Because this yeah, takes yeah, place sorry. in a different yeah. universe. And that's part of the reason well, why. Well, slightly different universe. Yeah. Because so the events moving forward, like primarily with the destruction of Vulcan, that forks it off. Well, but they actually make quite that, a few references back to yeah. events that happened earlier than this in the Star Trek universe. Like in the first one, they reference um archer's prize beagle mm-hmm. archer being from enterprise yeah scott bacula right yeah exactly yeah. yep yep and they they make another reference to enterprise in beyond which is the zindi war they, so they mentioned the zindi war and uh the romulan war yes which yep. they sort of get into a little bit with with this one because they talk about oh, the romulan yeah. wars so they they basically retconned this because in tos they said that the Romulan Wars took place so long ago that they didn't have like no one had ever seen a Romulan because they didn't have the communication equipment that they have now. And they fought it with nuclear weapons against each other oh, wow, between humans know. and Romulans. And so in and this is in Balance of Terror, which is one of the best episodes of TOS. Um, they say that like this is the first time that a human has ever seen a Romulan. And then when they went to Enterprise and they're like, oh, we're going to put Romulans in it. <laughs> They were like, well, we said that no humans, so how do we do this? And it turns out that the Romulans developed a drone ship that then they could go attack the Federation with drone ships. So they never actually directly encountered any Romulans. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I I personally like the the Enterprise references because I love Enterprise. Um, And so I I like seeing that. I just finished watching Enterprise like the week before we watched this. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, mm-hmm. excellent. So what do you think of that really quick? I think that's pretty good. I always thought the Mako were interesting. 
And I always kind of wondered what happened to them in Enterprise. I don't think they really ever say. Wait, like, the Ma- Mako. The Mako, the the Marines equivalent. Those are in Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, but but they're in Enterprise and they're not in TOS and they're not in TNG and they're not in anything else. Oh yeah, well yeah, I mean I think that's just because Enterprise came afterward. You know what well, I mean? And well yeah, but there's never they didn't say like why these guys stopped being around because when they first introduced mm. them. Archer's like, these guys, I don't want them on my ship. I don't want soldiers on my ship. Mm-hmm. And then after a while, he's like, no, actually, it turned out that having soldiers on my ship was useful because we get into shit every day, it seems like. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> yeah. we're it, almost like we're in some sort of weird episodic television show where there's a new monster each week. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, happen, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so they're ho- hugely useful. And he's like, oh, yeah, that was great. And even when somebody else gets the second, like, Warp 5 ship built, He's like, you should have a team of Mako. Get one because they're helpful. Um, but yeah, then they, well, th- they're not in the later series. And it's just they say in this one, is this spoilers? Should we you know what? Should we just do like real fast how we feel about this movie, whether or not anyone should go see it and then just do spoilers for the rest of the time? Yes. So That's how do you idea. think? Do you think people should see it? Absolutely. I think I think it's the best of the three new movies by far. I think the first one was the best. Um Ooh. I think this one was good. I think it has, it definitely has the best action out of any Star Trek film. Mm-hmm. Oh, but yeah. I, but I think the overall plot line is a little bit bland. It's not bad at all. It's definitely good. It's definitely better than all the bad Star Trek movies. <laughs> of which there are plenty. But it's, it's a little bit on the bland side, I think. Other than the action set pieces, which are real, real cool. So. Okay. So now we're going to spoil, spoilers. spoilers yeah. So where, um, what, were, what were we talking about? Oh, the Mako. Yeah. In this this one, they say um, that the Mako got disbanded when the Federation came into play. Yeah, because Starfleet is not a military organization. And that's actually something I've had a big problem with with Star Trek for a long time. Like, I understand, you know, Gene Roddenberry's, uh, like, you know, uh, utopian pacifist vision for the future. I totally understand that. And I, I, I like that. Like, on a cerebral level, I really appreciate that. And I think that that's probably one of the biggest things that sets Star Trek apart from yeah. other sci-fi is that it's a genuinely hopeful, positive view of the future. Um, however, I think it goes a bit far. And, and I mean, it, it betrays itself. Like every single Star Trek series has been to one degree or another about action. And there's yeah. enemies and there's combat and there's struggle and all this kind of stuff. But Starfleet is never it's like. They're, they're, they have their head in the sand. I mean, yeah. Starfleet literally has their head in the sand and they refuse. And it's not even actually, that's not even true. It's not that they refuse to outfit their ships because like every enterprise has more weapons, bigger guns. It's faster. It's harder to kill. Yeah. But then in uh, in um, Into Darkness, when they make a jump that's too big and they make, you know, a, a battleship type yeah. thing, all of a sudden that's a bad thing, even though that's what Starfleet's been, you know, creeping toward for 500 years. I, I think... I think they're less like that. Like the galaxy class ships are for real, not combat ships. It's it's in the design of it. It carries huge, huge, like thousands of civilians in it and all kinds of stuff like that. Like it is not a very good combat ship. But there were it, plenty of times in the next generation when they uh, go into battle. It, yeah. It, it and is, they specifically call out that it's a galaxy class starship and it's the most heavily armored ship in all of Starfleet. Yeah. yeah. It's it's very well equipped but it is not the best like battleship and it's not a sole purpose battleship. Kind of the thing about Starfleet is they always say we're not a military organization, but it's, it's not exactly true. It's just like military organization is like third or fourth on their list of things that they are. They are primarily like 
a scientific, exploratory, and um, whatchamacallit, that other thing that they are. Political? Yeah, political. Negotiation, trade agreements Mm -hmm. kind of Mm -hmm. people. And then below that, they're also like a defensive organization. Yeah, I, I guess ideologically, I just I have a big problem with that. And I, I think it makes it difficult for the shows for from a writing perspective, like yeah. specifically Enterprise um, and uh, uh, well, DS9 and Enterprise, had this too. Enterprise, they're not yet. Well, and right. In- and that, that, that's one of the things that I like about Enterprise is that I think it's a bit more honest about yeah. things because it's kind of the basis for where the Federation comes from. And you see why the Federation says, no, we can't do this. Like if, if, yeah. if we go down the path of being a military organization, we're going to end up fighting everything in the universe all the time. Like, mm-hmm. and we're going to be responsible for untold, you know, death and destruction and stuff. And in enterprise, they see that firsthand. Like they yeah. see firsthand what being a militaristic culture can look like. And TOS is real inconsistent. I'm pretty sure there's, yeah. a, there's an episode where, where Captain Kirk says specifically like, I'm just a soldier. That's all I am. I don't oh, understand. Yeah. They this. do that all the time. And then there's yeah. another episode where he's like, I'm not a soldier. <laughs> like, yeah. like it's real inconsistent yeah. with whether or not it is. And then when they went into TOS, um, Roddenberry was like, we really, I want to dial back that kind of thing and make it more idealistic for TOS. And so Wait, TOS, TOS, you mean DS9? TNG. I meant TNG. In TNG, they wanted to dial back the conflict, like interpersonal conflict between characters and make the future more utopian. Mm. And then and then kind of there are some issues with that. Like clearly they're not a military organization, but clearly they have ships that are full of weapons and they fight Mm -hmm. people, Mm -hmm. but not always kind of, you know, the idea is that they're they fight defensively when they have to, when negotiations fail, like. They're not a conquering force, but still they, they do that. And then Deep Space Nine really kind of addresses that more. It's one of the reasons yeah. why it's the better one. Even when they have yeah. the Defiant and they're like, uh, officially, this is an escort ship. <laughs> but actually. But in practice, this is a motherfucking battleship. Yeah, this is this is a battleship. And that's kind of why, too, I say that they're not like the Galaxy class is not a pure battleship. The Defiant is a battleship. It has a small crew. Yeah. It's harder to hit. It's, it has like the amount, the same amount of weapons, even though it's tiny, has more shielding. Like that's a battleship and it's specifically built to be a battleship. The galaxy classes are just, you know, built to be able to handle themselves against the threats that are out there. Well, you know what? So, okay. So talking through this, I think maybe my problem is... Uh, so like it, it's the progression of an idea, like yeah. through the Star Trek series, we see this progression of an idea. So in the original series, uh, you see just kind of this idea of forming that Roddenberry has. Right. And you see, you know, like there's this idyllic future, but how do we make, um, shows interesting and like, where does conflict come from and things? And it's, it goes back and forth and it's really inconsistent. Yeah. And then with the next generation, uh, Roddenberry settles on the more pacifist, idealistic yeah. side. However, he that dies. doesn't necessarily work out because, yeah. like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, it, a gigantic, massive ship flying through space doesn't make any sense in the, in the Star Trek universe. Every other ship that they encounter that's the size of the Enterprise is, a, a like, a battleship, right? Yeah. So I think that's part of my problem with the whole thing is that, like Starfleet is the only organization in the universe 
that has ships that size that are not battleships. That means they'd be wiped out. That's what that means. It doesn't mean they'd be going around, they'd find, you know, they'd have these one-off skirmishes, well, and they'd find their way out of things by debating. No, yeah. they'd be destroyed. Well, Romulan ships are are the same size. Like, that's the closest in TNG, is the Romulan warbirds, and they are also more general purpose than well, like, uh, Klingon, Klingon vessels. Klingon vessels are much, much smaller, though, than the Galaxy class. It's only in later in Deep Space Nine, which, again, Roddenberry hadn't done anything that the Klingons build some real big ships. Oh, but even maybe, then, maybe I'm getting those confused. Maybe yeah, that's even then they don't build a lot of those. They're like the biggest, baddest ships. And, and pretty much all the ships that are purely combat oriented are, mm-hmm. are small in Star Trek, like the Dominion fighters. Oh, yeah, that's a good. Point. The Jem'Hadar ships. And the bigger ones are more general purpose just because that makes sense. You need you don't need as much crew to handle a, a little ship that just shoots at things. But you need more crew if you also have archaeological personnel and all kinds of other stuff like that. Like the Romulans do show up at like even contentiously over like archaeological digs and stuff like that. They're having like arguments, you know. Oh, yeah, that's true. And same with like scientific stuff. They show up places and they're like, we're just scanning this. I swear we're not doing something shady. And they're they like, yes, are. you are. But but still, like, it's not a it's not a wild bluff that they're like, we're scanning this because they they do that, obviously, in other places. They do scientific missions. Otherwise, you'd just be like, you never have done a scientific mission in your life. Yeah, don't don't act g- like you are now. I guess, I guess, like, I mean, this is probably me just, like, not suspending my disbelief quite enough because it's, you know, science fiction and there's these ships flying around in space. But it just, it doesn't, it it doesn't hold up for me. Like, this idea, to me, it seems like pride. Like, that's where the Enterprise, this massive, ultimate, perfect ship comes from, is this sense of pride. Yeah, I think so. I think that's what makes it hold up for me is because everybody seems to have real-ass human flawed motivations like it's a real universe uh in general yes i just i just specifically with the enterprise i have a hard time with the idea that like the enterprise is always the crown jewel of the fleet and it's always the best of all things and 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 all that stuff whereas in a show like ds9 you don't have any of that like ds9 is not a ship it can't like it can move a little bit but it doesn't have really have any weapons. The Defiant has weapons, but it can't use them too much, or it'll tear itself apart. So there's there's they fix much that more later. I think in the series, I they don't. they do they they're like we have issues with it, and then later on they don't ever bring that up again, and they just use it fine until it gets blown up by the Borg. Anyway, so we oh, were talking yeah, about and then they build a new one. Yeah, and then we we're talking about the Mako though. So in this film. Because you've seen it already because we said spoilers or you yes. don't care. So you're just watching yes. this part anyway. The the main villain is an ex-Mako who got a command in Starfleet. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he's upset about, because uh, there are two things that he's upset about. Mm-hmm. One of them is that um, humanity's become too soft. Yeah, which I think he is thinks it is bullshit. It's clearly bullshit. Yeah. As Kirk is punching the shit out of him, it's clearly bullshit. And I think yeah. that's. I thought that was kind of the ending. Like, I think this is one of the things I like the most about it. At the end, was he going to kill Kirk? Oh, absolutely. I don't think it's that clear that he was. He has like oh, a I moment of hesitation. He See, I, I don't thought, think that was a moment of hesitation. I, I, I think it was a moment of introspection. And then he grabs the glass and he goes to stab Kirk. See, what I thought they were going to do is I thought they were going to have him grab that and then try and break open that panel. 
Why would he break open the panel, though? That would get rid of the weapon that he was trying to... I know. I, that's what I'm saying. Up. It seemed like he had changed his mind there for a second. And we don't actually get to see that play out because he gets sucked out. And then the whole oh, rest yeah. of the time we see him, like, trying to deactivate the weapon. Is he trying to deactivate it because he has some remorse for what he's doing? Or is he Wait, trying how, to deactivate... Why was he trying to deactivate the weapon? He's constantly trying to reach for it after he gets shot out and, like, turn it off. I mean, if he wasn't turning it off, he could just leave it alone. He's also being killed by it. So is he trying to turn it off because he's being killed by it? Or because he regrets his actions and he thinks he shouldn't turn it off? I think it's left open purposely to a little bit of interpretation there. Hmm. Okay. And and I don't think it's super clear, but you could definitely interpret it as none of that shit that I just said is there. <laughs> but I think you could also argue that it is there, that he has that moment where he's like, you know, I'm arguing about how weak you are and you're just kicking my ass right now. Like, clearly I'm wrong. <laughs> like, I don't know that like that. That's so. Okay. So that's one of the things. The other thing I think um, is a big part of the reason. The other reason that he's pissed off at Starfleet is the reason that I'm saying yeah. I don't think he, he would ever back down. And I don't think I don't think he would ever change his mind. And it's because he was abandoned yeah. by Starfleet. That's the other uh, thing. For a long time ago. Yeah, like not like 10 years. It's like, what is it, 150 years or something like that? Like I think it's, I think it's more like 100 Okay, yeah, like some most. ridiculously long period of time. And the only reason he's still alive is through this alien life-prolonging bullshit, whatever, which I also thought was really stupid. Yeah. Um, oh, I kind of liked that. Really? Yeah. Well, I, uh, I think, I think it, it treated the audience. I liked that because it treated you like you weren't an idiot. So you see that the planet that they're on and that the people that he's been uh, sucking their life force look mm-hmm. like he looks and then he starts sucking up humans when the Earth ship gets there. And then you see that he's slowly turning back human. Oh, yeah. And at, at yeah. no point in the film do they go, it makes him look like the thing that he is sucking up to take their life force. <laughs> it must be a... Div- they just, like, let it go. And you're like, I get, understand that because I'm not an idiot. Like, I, I have pattern recognition. So I can see that, like, he fed on people. It changed how he looked. It fed on some different people. It changed how he looked. Like, yeah, yeah, makes now, sense. Th- that I totally agree. Like the way that they did it, I think was very smart. And yeah. l- l- like you're saying, I liked that they didn't beat the audience over the head. I just thought it was like, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of stupid. You know what I mean? I- it was like, like they, they wanted a plot device that one would make this army that he has believable. Yeah. Which I think it did. Um, I just thought it was, a, it was kind of a lazy way to do it. And then like ideologically, you know, a hundred years sitting on this planet, you know, wanting to take revenge yeah. after his crew is, you know, wasted that's away. That's why he's um, a whack job. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I mean, again, that makes sense. I think yeah. that's plausible. If he had a hundred years to sit there and stew, I mean, yeah, I'd probably go nuts too. I just think it was kind of like a lazy, contrived way to do it. Mm-hmm. But that is the reason that I think he has no remorse. He has no second thoughts. He has no nothing. Like he's wanted to do this for longer than he'd been alive. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, like a hundred years versus 30 years or whatever it was. Um, and he like, I guess part of the thing that I didn't like is that he kept saying like his logic seemed to be a little bit weak. Like I was born into war and it's like, that's almost a little bit insulting to <laughs> yeah. certain groups of people. You know what also, I mean? Like that's, also, I don't that, know about that. Was that great for you? <laughs> like, would you, you're on board with that then you're like, I was born into war and it was great. Yeah, exactly. Like that doesn't justify what you're doing. No, like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. See, um, I would have liked, and this is one of my issues why I said earlier, I think this is one of the more dull installments other than action scenes. Cause the amount of plot that wasn't 
just getting from point A to point B. Like the amount of plot where something was happening and there were ideas happening was mm-hmm. just right at the end. It was real fast. It was like, oh, he's actually this captain and he thinks that war is good. And also he's been trapped on a planet for 100 years. Yeah, I think like I, I would have liked I to see more explanation and more exploration of that. I like to see them discover that earlier and then like have a couple of conversations with him where they can get more into the philosophy of that mm. and be yeah, a little bit more I, talky and they yeah, could cut I, out some I, of those punchy punch fights <laughs> that weren't choreographed real well and where no mm-hmm. one had the upper hand in the fights and there was nothing like to indicate who was winning it was just people wailing, wailing on each other like those fights were not great and the spinny camera and the shaking and you can't even see what's going on and it was slightly nauseating those could have gone we could have had a little bit more talking about like why he's a maniac now yeah so i guess i i i think this that right there like everything you just said i think kind of typifies why in general, Star Trek works better as a TV show. Yeah. Because with a TV show, they would have had a lot more time to go into the things that you're talking about. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, I thought they I, I thought they did a pretty admirable job of trying to balance things, like trying to build characters, especially the new character that they introduced. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, oh, crap. I can't remember her name. Uh, Ayla? Kayla? Was it? Uh, well, I, I'm totally blanking on her name right now. Um, but she was really good. She was very well developed. Um, There's a lot of nuance to her, I thought. Kala? Kayla? Crap. I can't. I, that Something like that. But name. regardless, but anyway, like, all the characters and, and were And good. also the way that they split the characters up into the, into the, the, the groups, the pairs. I think we're having oh, a you're, you're like, okay, I think that might be. So, okay, so uh, we had some technical difficulties. Because um, that's that's our lives now. <laughs> that's right, because the internet in America is awesome. So, uh, so anyway, uh, while we had while we were having these technical difficulties, di- well, I'm having talking difficulties now. <laughs> um, <laughs> technical difficulties with the human body. Yes, exactly. Um, while we were having the, uh, the technical difficulties with our recording equipment, uh, we decided to look up who in the hell this character was from Star Trek Beyond. And the character's name is Jayla, and she is played by Sophia Botella. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, anyway, she is a phenomenal character, and I think that um, in a very in a very small amount of time, very short amount of time, I think they did a really good job giving her a lot of depth and nuance and history. Um, and I think that's one of the things that this movie really focuses on for the first two thirds is not only building characters but building relationships between the characters. Uh, and that's actually something that I want to touch on too that I liked that the movie did really really well was I thought that it had a really touching tribute. A really mm-hmm. touching and substantial tribute um, to Leonard Nimoy. Um, not only like they didn't do a tribute in that there was like a single shot where they brought up his name and you know whatever. It was actually actually there, an there was. integral part of a subplot. Okay, well, that's true. There was a shot though that was the shot, which was where some guys walk up to Spock, uh, young Spock, Zachary Quinto Spock, yes. and hand him uh, just a little note, and then he's standing outside looking sad and then we see that the note says is is an uh whatchamacallit an obituary for yes old spock leonard Nimoy. yes yeah and if it had just been that i actually probably would have been a little bit upset 
But oh, yeah. they worked that into the story in what I think was a very intelligent, very meaningful way for young Spock. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, like he now has a reason to be where he's at. And I think that like one of the things that I actually really like about this new series, all three mm-hmm. movies, is I like the way that they're dealing with Spock. Oh, I think sp- yeah, I, th- I thought that was a little bit. There were a couple of things that I pegged in this movie before they happened that I thought mm-hmm. were a bit predictable. And what, mm-hmm. one of them was like as soon as that guy started sucking up corpses or whatever i was mm-hmm. like oh he's the captain of that ship that crashed and then the other really? one was yeah and then the other one was um was when spock was like uh i'm i'm gonna leave and then i was immediately like i remember the last two movies and i remember how old spock didn't want that to happen and i'm like a hundred percent sure that what's going to happen is that at the end Zachary Quinto Spock is going to find a Leonard Nimoy Spock like memento of Kirk and then be like, oh, he would have wanted me to stay here. And then he's going to stay. And then mm. he did. And it was the cast photo, which was cool because mm-hmm. it wasn't just Kirk, which yeah. is what I what I was kind of thinking, because that's that's what they played up in 2009 was the Kirk Spock relationship. Yeah, but it was the whole cast. Yeah, it was, it was cool because it was like, yeah, th- that was what was really important to him. And yeah, you know. Yeah, and I, I think like for for all the failings that this film had, and I, I think it does have several. Like I I wasn't a big fan of the physical fight scenes, the fist to fist stuff, like you were saying yeah. either. The chase uh, the, scenes, the, yeah, the the space combat, whole different thing, yeah. and the way that they fit Beastie Boys in again, dude, <laughs> I fucking flipped out in the theater when they did that. I was like yeah. clapping and cheering, and I was like, fuck yeah, this is so awesome. And I so I actually saw it with Aiden Yasmin, and they did the exact same thing. Like we were all cool. freaking out. It was so awesome. And we um, both, as soon as we walked out of the theater, were like, why did that make the ships blow up? Like, it, yes, uh, we yeah, understand was, yeah. it was supposed to disrupt the navigation system. Why'd they just <laughs> blow up, though? Because that was cool. Yeah. I just, you know, and, and that's that, that's one of those things. Like, there are things that will, and this is, I'm horribly inconsistent with this ship, because there are things that, you know, really are probably completely rational and reasonable, like the size of the Enterprise, that uh-huh. just supremely piss me off. And then there are things like this that make absolutely no sense whatsoever that I just don't care about. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, ships are blowing up for no logical reason, but that's, I'm okay yeah. with that, because it's That cool. was awesome. And then yeah. also the, the shot, the other thing that was real dumb that they could have explained better, which was the... We've got to hit terminal velocity to make the engines oh work. Which that is not physics. There was nothing. <laughs> there was nothing about that that made any sense. Yeah, and that yeah. actually did. Uh, that did really frustrate me because they did a good job building up all of this tension. Yeah. Like, how are they going to do this and make so this happen? I thought of a no prize for that one. So, so here's my no prize. Are you familiar with the no prize? No. That's where you. Uh, it used to be a thing that Marvel did, where you get the no prize, which is there's no prize, but you you come up with a uh, like an, an explanation for what happened that makes sense for a plot. Oh, okay. So, so here's what it is: um, the ships in Star Trek, how they're fueled is with uh, hydrogen ramjets, or so they have a, a scoop that scoops hydrogen into the ship and then uses that for fuel. So what happened was the ship was actually out of fuel and they had to get going fast enough for that jet to start working or the scoop to start well, working and pull in fuel so that way they could take off with the thrusters. Well, what they said in the film. I know what they said. This is my explanation <laughs> because otherwise that scene is dumb. <laughs> okay, okay. I was going to say because that doesn't line up with what they said in the film at all. And what they said in the film made sense. Until they just completely threw it out the window and yeah. didn't bother to well, they said you know, the stay engines, with it at all. They said like a couple of different things. They weren't even super 
like well they said there. they said the stabilizers for some reason they needed to be reach terminal velocity for the stabilizers to kick in yeah. which doesn't i and then like the stabilizers i guess are the jets underneath the yeah, saucer that's section? what i'm saying those I don't, they needed to reach terminal velocity for those to kick in because but then how would they operate in space because they had no fuel for them they needed to fuel them up but then how would they operate in space what do you mean and also, they don't run on fuel. Nothing on a starship runs on fuel because it would run out. No, they it all does. Run, no, the, they run on dilithium crystals, which burn far like slower than anything like nitrogen or anything like that. No, they have matter-antimatter reactors that are fueled with matter and antimatter. And the matter portion of that fuel comes from uh, hydrogen scoops that scoop interstellar hydrogen. So they, they refuel as they're flying. Uh, this isn't I'm some a- of the technical manuals. Um, well, well, then what the hell are dilithium crystals for? And dilithium why do they keep referencing them as the power source for the ship? And I think what they drives the matter-antimatter converter? Yeah, I think they, they do something there. They, like, regulate that process or something like that. <laughs> they, well, because they run out. And, like, it's happened a couple yeah. times in the series where they run out and they can't go anywhere because they're, they're out of dilithium crystals. They need those parts, too. I mean, if you ran out of oil in your car, it's not fueled by oil, but it still wouldn't work. But they're at the center of the engine. <laughs> so is oil. Oil's in all the central parts of the engine. I feel I feel like Star Trek changed something out underneath my nose, and <laughs> I'm really I'm really salty about this. Star Trek changes that shit all the time. It doesn't yeah, really matter that much. Yeah. I think the actual scienciness of it, the only thing that that matters to me is that they try a little bit with the scienciness. Yeah. But yeah. as long as they kind of just are like, all right. Hear vague something moving along. Don't worry about it too much. As long as their yeah. explanation kind of makes sense, it's fine. But well, and I got to I got I, I to blow a hole in that whole hydrogen scoop thing. I'm not saying yeah. that's not what Star Trek says. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that doesn't make any sense at all, because the only way that that would ever work is if they're not at warp, like if they're at impulse power. And I don't see how there's enough hydrogen in space to re anything like uh, to, all, to fill all up the, anything. All the science fiction material that uses those, they cast a scoop that's like light years wide. So then it's what the it's, fuck they're going to run out of, they're going to like empty. Then they can't double back <laughs> over themselves. Well, be, I don't like know. they can't I ever no go idea. back over somewhere they've gone before. They're not going to refuel. Uh, don't ask me. Space is real big. You could presumably fly around a lot without going through the exact same path as previously. Uh, but if you're talking light years, like scooping yeah. in light years, not necessarily. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> doesn't matter that much. <laughs> I didn't fucking write that. Don't come to me complaining about it. That's okay. Talk to the Star Trek Nerd arguments. Manual. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. But that's that's the best I can do on that one, I think. Yeah. I, otherwise, well, I just know, don't that, know. I mean, that, yeah, and, and honestly, that is probably the best explanation you could get. The other thing that, that, they, um, that they set up, which I thought made a lot of sense, and then, of course, they threw out the window, was that the starships are built in outer space, and they're not designed... Um, to hold together yeah. on the gravity of a planet, which yep. again made complete sense. And then they, ju- not only did they throw that out the window, but they just completely shit all over it. <laughs> They're by like, building mind, up all the momentum fine. of going straight down. It's and fine. then pulling up. Don't oh worry about it. It's fine. It works fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm, 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 mm. <laughs> They're like, it doesn't work. Oh, yes, it does. Sorry. We'll just do it. <laughs> what? <sighs> all right. Wh- yeah, so that's kind of those. I think those are the two moments that are really like yeah. what. Now a lot of people had issues with the dirt bike. Did you have issues with the dirt bike? No. What were the issues with the dirt bike? Why there's a dirt bike on this ship? What? Yeah, a lot of people are they didn't aware find that, that people in Starfleet are human beings, and they yeah. some people like retro stuff. Also, I mean, Enterprise uh, Scott Bakula had a dog. Yeah, like, exactly. Like 
like the captains do genuinely have like personal like shit on the ship. Well, yeah, because I mean, they're, they're the captain they're and they get to ships. bring something. Yeah, yeah, they're ships. And I mean, if if you go back and you look at and you read up on like ship captains from way back in the day and even now, but like especially way back in the day when ships were you know comparatively a little bit bigger, um, like they would bring personal effects along. And like yeah. if they got if they especially pirates if they pillaged something, they would keep it and they would take it with them, and it was part of their thing. I mean, it's like and in this universe, yeah, that I don't have we, a problem with at all. Yeah, and in this universe, we saw in the first movie people still ride motorcycles. So it's not even mm-hmm. weird that somebody a mm-hmm. hundred years ago was riding a motorcycle. Still. Oh yeah. Kirk. Cause Kirk Earth. had yeah. a motorcycle. Yep. He yeah. was like, this is my awesome motorcycle. And in this one, he was like, Oh, I remember my grandfather had one of these when he's really young. Cause this is a hundred year old motorcycle. This is super cool. And well, then again, and he drove a fucking Mustang off a cliff. In yeah. the first movie. It too. wasn't a Mustang. It was a, a Corvette. Oh yeah. Sorry. So sorry. Sorry. But yeah, how it was, a, it was you. an engine like, or I'm, I'm sorry. It was like a regular car. What's that? Yeah. I said, how dare you? How dare no, you? I know. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> the, uh, yeah. And then also when Kirk's like, this is an awesome motorcycle, it completely makes it believable too, that later on he's like, I want to use that motorcycle. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I know yeah. it's not even like the, the, maybe not the best plan, but, <laughs> but the motorcycle's cool. I want to yeah. ride it. Yeah. Like, and that's totally in character for him in this to just be oh, like, yeah. yes, motorcycle yeah. time. Oh yeah, and that's that's something else that I want to call out that this movie does really well too. That like so when the when the trilogy started and the first movie came out, a lot of people really did not like the way that Kirk was portrayed. Yeah, uh, and I can somewhat see that he's a different Kirk. He grew up without his dad, like yeah. a rebellious kid. Like that's well, it, that is not the original Kirk, and that's not how the original Kirk grew up. So I mean, uh, whatever. Well, okay. I don't know how, about how the original Kirk grew up, but it's not necessarily different from the Kirk of the original series. I mean, yeah. it's really not like the Kirk in the original series. Yeah, he was he was a scholar and he could, you know, do diplomacy and stuff like that when he wanted to. But he he like cheated on the Kobayashi Maru, just like yep. this Kirk did. Like mm-hmm. he flouted rules and stuff whenever it suited him, just like this Kirk does. Like this Kirk is not really that much different. This Kirk, yeah. I think, has a different backstory and we actually see where he comes from. Um, and I think that's something, again, that I think a lot of people who like Star Trek just kind of gloss over yeah. is the fact that like Kirk doesn't obey the rules. He deliberately says that in several of the films, like he obeys the rules when they suit his needs and he completely disregards them when they don't. And he actually what was it in? Um, I forget it was the second or the third one. He actually gets bumped from an admiral back to a captain because he broke the rules. Like he, he has his admiralship taken away. Yeah. So it's like like this is not a different Kirk from the the original series. It's just that we're seeing him when he's young. We're seeing how he gets to the point where he's a respectable captain that yeah. everyone looks up to. And I, I think, think that that was a good story to tell. I think he is different. There are differences. They're not he's still real similar, but all differences are explained by him having a different childhood. Like he's still oh, okay. basically in all of these characters. Like they're not the exact same character. And Very that's true. that's yeah. totally okay that they're not yeah. the same character because this is a different timeline. Yeah. Um, and honestly, they're good characters. Yeah, you know they're I mean? good like, too. Like, like Zachary Quinto uh, or Spock, like, you know, he he struggles with his with his emotions. But that's something that always bugged me about Spock in the uh, original uh, series and the movies is I thought that, like, I, I wanted to see a little bit more of that struggle. I wanted to see some more, you know, the, the, the scene where he freaks out seeing Kirk when he's alive. Like, I wanted to see a little bit more of that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Um, I wanted to see a little bit more range. And I thought I thought they were they made effective use of his stoicism in the original Star Trek, but I just, I like the dynamic nature of Spock in this series. And same thing with Sulu. I fucking love Sulu's character in this, this series. Like he's just a badass, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Oh, and that's another thing that I want to say, uh, just really quick. Um, I think like, 
So kind of going back to what George Takei said about Sulu and not liking um, that Sulu is made to be uh, gay in this movie. Uh, and I guess I should say in this timeline, because, again, they don't introduce him as suddenly being gay now. They just yeah. say, say, oh, by the way, he's always been gay. What I really like is other than the one scene where they just show him walking off with his family and his family happens to be a daughter and a husband. Nobody brings up that he's gay. Yeah. <laughs> like he's just he's like he's just a crew member. He's the same character that we've always seen him as. And I think that's really important. Like something Kirk, that is Kirk even looks over and he's like, oh, that's so sweet. And then he yeah. like moves on. Yeah. And like to be it. fair, that's it. he could have not been gay in this movie. Up to We don't know anything about that. They just show him. Oh, with a true. man and a, and a little girl. That's it true. could be that uh, apparently they cut a kiss. There was a kiss. They cut it. Um, oh, man, that's too bad. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it matters that much. Well, I but mean, I mean, like, why in terms back, of, you know what I mean? If you're going to do that, why why not go all the way? I don't know. It might have just, just been me, for time or to put oh, other stuff in. Okay. Like, I don't, I don't even think that it's necessarily just because they didn't want to show the kiss, but just because that scene as it was, was a real good scene. Yeah, that's true. That's very uh, true. Um, well, and, and even like like showing his daughter, you know what I mean? Like yeah. when when Kirk is saying, you know, we've all made sacrifices and then you see Sulu with a picture of his daughter. Like that's yeah. I don't know. It's just so much about that. Like like those two little tiny things do a lot, I think, to show, you know what, like gay people in movies, gay characters in movies, they're not something that needs to be called out as this big, huge deal. Because yeah. that's what, like, gay people are just people. They're just people. So, like, let's just make them like that. Because that's something that's kind of starting to bug me in, in movies. Is that, like... I think I think in, in about 30, 40 years, this will be a little bit and malicious when you go back and look at it because he's the only one who you see with his family. So it's a little bit like, let's oh. show the gay guy's family just... So just so you know he's gay real fast there is yeah. a gay guy and and i don't think it'll be like old star trek sh- like tos episodes like the one where um kirk gets partnered with this female doctor and bone and he's like oh i don't want to be partnered with her i don't want her to go on this away mission with me and bones is like is it because she's a woman and a doctor i'm real disappointed <laughs> in you and he's like no it's because we have personal history like that is absolutely not the case where back then it was just being like we're going to dismiss this out of hand because because you might think that that's the reason. Mm. But now when you go back and watch it, you're like, why would anyone even assume that in the uh. first place that it needed to be dismissed in the same way that I think in a few years it'll be like, why would anybody even assume that you need to show the gay characters, gay family to know that there's a gay character in this film? Uh, yeah, well, I'd, I I. I want to get there as quickly as possible. Yeah, yeah. That's not <laughs> yeah, a bad I, thing I, in the future if things are yeah, better. And yeah. you're like, oh, that's too ambulicious now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I thought it was, I mean, and I also just thought it was a good touch of writing. And yeah. that's the thing is, I think there's a lot of good writing mm-hmm. for the characters in this. There's a lot of good dialogue. There's a lot that's communicated using a very little amount of speech. Um, characters do things a lot of times instead of saying things. Um, yeah. J- Jayla's characters, I think, is, is is big with that. You know what I mean? Like little little idiosyncrasies in the way that she talks, um, the way that she stands is very defensive all the time until she starts to feel comfortable with people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like the whole thing with her challenging, like indirectly challenging Kirk, like when she sits when she sits in the captain's chair, and uh, Scotty's like he, he he likes that seat, and she doesn't <laughs> get up. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. okay. she's like she that's her house in that. Yes, she's like exactly. this is my yes. house. Yes, and then later she's like you're breaking my house. <laughs> yes, yes, stop it. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh man. Yeah. Th- this was so obviously like Simon Pegg had a part of this. Like there are yeah. just so many little touches like that. that Especially I thought were really that good. that friendship speech that he gave. I was yeah. like he wrote that for himself. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, but early on, and I've heard other podcasts mention this. They're like I was like. 
Mm, is he going to have a lot of lines? Is like is he going to end up saving the day because of this? But no, it it's just no. that one little speech that he has yeah. that was clearly because well, he, he doesn't at least the movies that I've seen, um, he doesn't really tend to do that. Like, yeah. like he tends to more write himself actually as being like either kind of a non center character or a bad guy, like mm. especially in uh, World's End. You know what I mean? Like he's just a dick in that movie. Yeah, um, I think that's he's more, a central character, but he's a dick. That's more typical of British fiction in general. Oh, interesting. Leading characters are more likely to be real flawed douchebags. Like, I mean, you watch like Faulty Towers or something like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I. You well, okay, yeah, actually, yeah, because like Doctor Who is very much like that. Um, Doctor Who, I think, is one of the ones that is the least like that. Like Faulty Towers is more like that, and uh, something like um, Red Dwarf, where where fucking Rimmer is a huge prick, and Lister is just off. Like they're both kind of awful characters. You know what I'm saying, dude? The Doctor is a dick in Doctor Who. Yeah, it it kind of fluctuates. I think he's less of a dick in more recent stuff because um, the guy who writes it now is a huge fan of the Doctor. Although I haven't watched the last mm. couple of seasons. We'll see. Yeah, Maybe. I watched, um, I think, season eight, like the, the first half of season eight. Yeah. Not a huge fan. Not a huge fan. Like it was, um, I thought it was just a little bit too dark. I love Clara as a companion. I'm probably the only person I know who does. Um, but uh, not, a, and it's not, it's not even that I'm not a fan of the doctor of Peter Capaldi. I'm just not a fan of the stories mm. that, that I saw them telling. Uh, I want to see the last half of season eight and then I, they've got to be on season nine by now. Um, but I want to see those. I just haven't had a chance to yet. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Matt Smith and uh, David, well, actually all the other ones, Matt Smith, David Tennant, and even Christopher, Christopher Eggleston, um, I liked much better than the I'm stories s- I've been seeing. Yeah. So so that was our review of Doctor Who right in the middle of this Star Trek episode. <laughs> yeah, thanks, exactly. thanks, Brian. So uh, <laughs> going back to Star Trek. <laughs> um, uh, well, you want, you, you want to throw shade on me for getting off topic? <laughs> <laughs> that's like what we do on this show man doctor who's crossed over with star trek i'm pretty sure a couple of times the comic oh books. yeah oh yeah and there was a green lantern star trek crossover a while back i kind of wanted to get that one. Oh, that seems like that could be good yeah i thought that might be fun anyway uh yeah characters are real good in this yeah. action set pieces the fucking the one on just the the disc of the ship that one was awesome the one on the disc of the ship. Yeah, of the Enterprise. This is the Enterprise crashes, and they're just on the saucer section. Oh, and they're oh, running oh. around the saucer section, and then they yeah. activate the thrusters. Yeah, and the whole saucer section is like moving, and they're running along it, and they're having this like running gun battle. Yeah, that, that was, was really awesome. Cool. Yeah, I actually well, and that, that that whole crash sequence I thought was very reminiscent of um, uh, first contact generations. Generations. That, that's what it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah generations. That was uh, when they much, destroy the yeah, yeah, real, real similar to generations. Yeah. Down to like the saucer nose diving into the dirt and like. Yep. Yeah. 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 There's a I, lot. Again, of stuff. I thought that was really cool. Like a lot of yeah. very cool throwbacks that you like that didn't weren't out of place. Like if you didn't know it was a throwback, you wouldn't notice anything. But yeah. noticing the call out is just it made it really cool. And. A lot of stuff pulled from Enterprise, as we've discussed a little bit with the yes. Mako. And then yes. the ship that they find on this planet is similar to uh, the ship in that one. It's it's uh, registration numbers start with NX, just like the ones in, um, uh, in yeah, Enterprise. My, inter- my understanding of the NX registration, though, is that what it actually means is um, is an experimental ship. 
Or, mm-hmm. So so NX something could be any year that it's from. Oh, it just means I that it's, mean. it's like a it's one that hasn't been fully designated yet. So that's the first warp five ship is NX whatever. But NX-01. maybe it might also be that um, that that first set of ships are the NX class. I can't remember. Hold on. I'm looking it up as I'm saying nice. that I can't remember. Yes, it is. The NX class is a class. So forget what I just said, but I think it does go on to, to be the NX. Oh, no, wait, that's right. Because it's NX because it's before the Federation. So they don't right, say so USSS, USS. yeah. which I can't remember what that means and didn't mean anything originally when they yeah, first Well, yeah, because I mean, it, what it means is uh, what it was United States something like because like USS, that's what they call naval ships. Uh, the U.S. Navy calls naval ships. They're all USS, bada, 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 bada. Um, and because they model Starfleet after the yeah. Navy, the U.S. Navy, it's uh, United States service, but it means uh, United Space Ship, <laughs> United Space Ship in in Star Trek, which okay, they, just, they, they should have picked a better word than ship, like <laughs> like United Space Service, maybe or like yeah. United Space Symposium. I don't know. Something other than ship. That just seems a bit silly, but I think whatever. Well, it's because it's a retronym. They they put it on there first because it sounded good and seemed mm, like yeah. something they should put on it. And then yeah. later they went, shit, it can't stand for United States service or whatever. Mm-hmm. It has to stand for something else. And then they yeah. came up with United Space Ship. <laughs> that's it. Sure, we'll go with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, so this has come out. It's good. Do we have anything else we want to talk about in this? I don't think so. Uh, and also, too, this is getting really long because we still have the interview with Ben after this. That's oh, like ha- a half an hour. So this is going to be a long ass episode. Um, oh, so. Oh, yeah, that's right. Because we had technical difficulties and we did start a new record. I was like, we're not yeah. that far in. Yeah, but we talked. OK, one thing that I wanted to talk about before this. Did you see the preview for um, Star Trek Discovery? Yes, that was real short and not a lot going on in it. Although that ship looks awful lot, looks an awful lot like a uh, Klingon, uh, not a bird of prey. Uh, what's the fuck? Yeah. What, what are they? The, the a, a Klingon ship. Yeah, the the cruiser, the Klingon yeah. cruiser. I yeah. also did think that, and I, I was like, hmm, looks very Klingon-y. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it'll be like a joint project between Klingons and humans or something. Or it could just be humans stealing Klingon design because they want to build a warship. Maybe. Or a ship that's more warbird-like. I feel um, like the the Kling, Klingon ships aren't aren't as great as the starship other ones as the Earth ones, except for that they have cloaking devices. Hmm. The D seven is that what you're kind of thinking of? The D seven is the one that also the Romulans use because it's technically like a Romulan ship. I'm I thinking think. of the big. Like the um, what are the 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 battle cruisers that they have that yeah. are like the size like the n- not the birds of prey the yeah. the warbirds I think is what they're called. There's the, that the yeah. no that's that, that's the Romulan warbird. I can't remember now. It's it's the one that looks similar to the Discovery, the USS Discovery that was in the preview for Star Trek Discovery, but mm. they're huge. Like those uh, Klingon ships are huge. They dwarf birds of prey. Um, I'm pretty sure they're bigger than even the enterprise and they're just massive warships and yeah. they can like obliterate everything. It's the, well, the cruisers, the battle cruisers are not as big as the enterprise. They're smaller still. They're the D seven and the Katinga 
are smaller, but then the um the whatchamacallit, the other ones, the ones that they get later, they build like a real huge one in but they only have like one or two of those still. Oh, uh you just cut out for a second. Yeah, You're saying something. That's because Windows is terrible. Where'd I cut out? <laughs> you said something, 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 and you cut out, and you said one or two of those. Oh, yeah, the, the smaller ones are still smaller than the Enterprise. They're more like uh, the D7s and Katingas, mm-hmm. which are like the battle cruisers, mm-hmm. and they're their biggest ones for a long time. Um, but then they build bigger ones later in, like, Deep Space Nine, but there are still only, like, a few of those, like, the real big ones, the ones that... Uh, like the chancellor is riding around in. Yes. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. Well, there's not a lot of those. I don't well, I mean, there aren't, there aren't a whole lot of galaxy class starships either. There are way more later on of galaxy class starships. Although they do go put in more nebula classes, which are uh, just the saucer section from a galaxy class. And then like a small body. Hmm. Which are like more. And those are actually fitted in the Dominion Wars. Um, in the extra material, like a lot of those are refitted as more serious battleships than like the galaxy class. Like they're a little bit lower on weapons, but you know, they're smaller. They don't carry like a big civilian crew and stuff like that. They're also real good for hauling shit. (laughs) You just take out the crew quarters and put a bunch of stuff in it. Anyway, what was I saying? (laughs) What the fuck were we talking about? This got way off topic. (laughs) So, Pretty sure we're going to have a rather lengthy bonus episode this week oh, yeah. <laughs> because oh. I'm probably just going to split this up into two, like, like take some of this stuff and put it in the main episode and then just some of the stuff and put it in the bonus episode. Yeah. Okay. The, maybe just everything after where we talk about Star Trek Discovery now. I feel like even before that might be okay. a long. I mean, we'll, 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 we'll see. see. We'll see. Yeah. But, but yeah, I'm so I'm I'm excited for Discovery. I mean, the preview didn't really say much of anything. Yeah. But what what really has me excited is that um, CBS is partnering with Netflix to uh, release Star Trek Discovery on Netflix oh, 24 cool. hours, all the episodes 24 hours after they release on uh, CBS, whatever the fuck that is. Are CBS they coming Go out one at a time? Uh, from what I understand, yes. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Anyway. I'm glad I won't have to CBS fucking something access. All access. All access. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. it's coming out on there, but it's also coming to Netflix, which I think is huge. Yeah. And that tells me that there's, they're, they're putting a lot more behind it mm-hmm. just because Netflix's audience is huge. And Star Trek series have always done very, very well on Netflix. I think that we might be able to ascertain from the, the, the fact that this ship is the USS Discovery that this will take place simultaneously with the existence of an enterprise because they only make the series have a ship that's not enterprise when there was when it takes place in the same timeline as an enterprise oh like ds9 like ds9 like voyager yeah so oh yeah i guess that did they did they ever i never saw voyager much like do they do cross stuff with i don't know how they would do that because they're in the gamma quadrant but they, they do cross stuff with with voyager um Depending, there's a, there's a bunch of uh, what's his name in Voyager. <clears throat> oh, Q probably. Barkley. Q is also in Voyager a lot, but Barclay, Lieutenant Barkley's Barclay. in it a lot. That sounds he's, really familiar. Who's he's that? the he's the huge nerd character. <laughs> he's the real awkward nerd character in TNG who has like holodeck addiction. He creates in his first episode. He has like a holodeck version of all the crew in the holodeck, 
Oh, but they're all like, yeah, yeah, jerks and yeah, idiots. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I in like that Barkley a lot. a lot. Yeah. Well, what happens in Voyager is they eventually get the ability to like talk back to Earth a little bit. And so there's scenes of people at Earth like getting communiques and like running simulations and stuff like that to try and help them in the whatever quadrant, gamma quadrant, gamma delta quadrant. quadrant. Yeah. Or, yeah, yeah, sorry, you're right. Gamma's Deep Space Nine. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so they do tie in some of those characters later. But, but yeah, I think it doesn't necessarily mean, though, that it takes place at the same time as any of the series that we've had, because there's also the Enterprise B and the Enterprise C. And it could take place... Well, like, in the universe? Like, in the larger universe? In the universe. Enterprise B was the one that uh, Kirk was on at the beginning of Generations, and that was a Excelsior-class ship. Hmm. And that one existed, um, so it could take place simultaneously with that. And then there's the Enterprise C, which shows up in TNG, which is an uh, ambassador class ship, and uh, everybody dies on that ship. <laughs> I think that's one of the reasons nice. why they they probably won't do anything with them because we already know that all of them die. <laughs> like it's it's kind of it's rough. Uh, in that episode, they come forward and they end up in the future but they've been whisked out of their time right when they were fighting the Romulans to defend a Klingon uh, like base to help the Klingons. And then, um, and then it turns out that they all died in battle protecting the Klingons fighting alongside them. And that that was a major reason why the Klingons ended up going, uh, being peaceful with the Federation. Oh yeah. It's because that. of that honorable action that they took. And mm-hmm. so they have to send them back so that way they can all die <laughs> because otherwise everyone is fucked in the future. Holy crap. Yeah. So, so it could take place in either of those time periods too. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested and it's supposed to, it's January 20. Oh, you know what? I'm, I'm wrong. All the episodes are coming out at the same time. I, oh, okay. I, I just remember this because it's January 2017 and all the episodes are coming out at the same time. Yeah. They're doing the first episode will air on CBS, regular CBS. Yeah. And that'll be by itself. And then after that, all episodes will be available on CBS All Access and Netflix. And then the other thing that I've heard about this, and I don't know how true this is because I've just kind of heard it, is that each season is going to be a different thing. So like this season will be about something, but future seasons may be about completely different like crews or ships or anything like that. Oh, I could I could see that. I yeah. I, I really like where TV shows are kind of seem to be going now where like a season is a complete story. Yeah. You know, like I I, I like that a lot. And they're all very serial. You that's, know, that's or Netflix. Wait, uh, not serial. I don't, yeah. I don't I forget what that means. But anyway, you, you, you know what I mean? That's that's the Netflix age where you yep. just watch it all the fuck at once. Yep. Which I'll be watching uh, all of BoJack Horseman real soon, season three. Yeah, I, man, I don't know about that. I I'm not a huge fan of BoJack Horseman. No, like I don't that. hate it, but I don't love it. So. Anyway, let's not get way off. We'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> yeah, maybe. yeah. We can talk but about yeah, that. any any other thoughts about this uh, discovery? Um, no, I'm just just cautiously optimistic. Um, yeah. more so than I was before. Yeah, I'm just got excited for Star Trek TV show again. Yeah, at yeah. least you know, like, like you know, a lot of Star Trek things aren't that great. Some of them mm-hmm. are good, some of them aren't. Mm-hmm. And, and in a TV show, you get them a lot more. So you get the good ones real fast instead of waiting a bunch of years and then getting Star Trek into darkness, you know, <laughs> or Star Trek Five or whatever. Oh yeah, the um, where they find God. 
Which I, they, I, I, they I find didn't, I the didn't giant think that was too terribly bad. Yeah. The giant head of God, and then it's not God, and then they blow it up. <laughs> like that's yeah. yeah. That that one's not terrible. And there's a no. lot of cool things about it. It does mm-hmm. a lot for the universe. It's one of the first ones that really shows like a a worn, crappy part of the universe. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and then Spock's half brother. Like I, I I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, he's kind of cool. And and actually, uh fucking red letter media has a plinket um not a review but a commentary track for that one that's very good Mm. and they talk about how actually a lot of people blame shatner for that one but it wasn't his fault oh yeah (laughs) that that his his direction is actually pretty good and most of the issues have to do with the fact that there was a writer's strike and that the studio Mm -hmm. put a bunch of conditions on that show existing and severely limited the budget and then mm-hmm. all the budget that did exist went to go to paying all those stars that are in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Cool. All right. So I think we're about done with this. Um, oh, yeah. I think, about uh, Star Trek long enough. You yeah. Know, yeah. We could, we could just do a Star Trek podcast. Like, yeah. We legitimately Star could. Trek. Yeah. 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 That may not be a bad idea. <laughs> Coming soon. Star Trek. We just talk about Star Trek. That's it. That's right. That's right. We'll we'll do like two shows a week. We'll do like our regular Egghead Anarchy, which is whatever video, which is really kind of centering on video games. I think like video games and movies. Yeah. Well, video games, movies, TV shows, I guess. But then we'll do like like maybe a shorter half hour episode every week of just Star Trek. Like that's all. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it. (laughs) (laughs) See, I think and this could totally not go in this podcast, this random speculation on things we could do in the future. Thanks for listening to that episode where we talk about Star Trek a lot. Um, our social media accounts are take it away, Brian, because I can never remember them. And this is your job. <laughs> I, Brian, am at BSG Brian on Twitter. Uh, Alex is at Senior Don Gatto, like old Don Gatto on Twitter. I, I do remember that part. I remember mine, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Take it away. I, Brian, am at BSG Brian on Twitter. And I, Alex, am at Senior Don Gatto on Twitter. Very nice. We also have an Egghead Anarchy Twitter. I told you. I told you I remembered it. You you did, and you You did. You threw it back. You tried to trap me, but I I had it. (laughs) I wasn't trying to trap you. I was trying to give you a chance, man. (sighs) Jeez. I was 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 trying to be be a good guy. I was trying trying to help you out. Oh, okay. See? Okay. Anyway. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't trust you, Brian. (laughs) It's okay. okay. (laughs) This wasn't like one of those trust fall things. (laughs) What I wanted to flat on my back. Anyway. Or somebody, somebody would have went up on their back. I don't know who. Anyway, uh, we have an Egghead Anarchy Twitter account, which is Egghead Anarchy, conveniently enough. No underscores. We got the original. We also have an Egghead Anarchy Facebook page, as well as um, a YouTube uh, channel. We're also on SoundCloud. We're also on Stitcher. We're also on iTunes. Uh, and yeah, we come out roughly every week, sometimes uh, more than once a week. Sometimes, you know, not so much. What the fuck am I even talking about now? I don't know. I should edit the part out. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Do we have anything else to say? I don't think so. Thank you, Overclock Remix, for the music. Oh, yeah. I keep... Okay. Yes. I'm sorry. I keep... <laughs> Dude, I keep you're forgetting the one. Marcy thanking them in the episode. Yeah, no, you're, I know. you're the, the you're the one who's the fan of them and like edits the music in. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Yes, okay. So 
Thank you to Overclock Remix. I uh, we I mean we use we've used so much of their stuff and we get to use it for free and it's really good quality shit. And I just discovered um, on on Spotify there's an Overclocked Remix artists playlist, which are uh, artists who make stuff for Overclocked Remix, like Zircon, like Big Giant Circles, people like that, who have their music on Spotify. So if you want to listen to music like the stuff that you can hear on Spotify from some of those artists, if you want to support them, uh, you can listen to the uh, Overclocked Remix artists playlist on Spotify, which is pretty cool. Um, so yeah, with that, with with all that out of the way, um, I think we probably are done because I'm yep. getting close to being done mentally. <laughs> My brain is so full, shit is just spilling out. All right, talk to you guys next time. See you.